0: good morning it's thursday february the 6th 2020 and it's almost 9 a.m in little saigon seattle pacific standard time i don't know how you're feeling but i don't know it's rainy and nasty here nasty gray nasty rain but I'm still going to go for a walk. I'm still going to go for a walk up to Harborview Medical Center. I will go up there and I will monitor the situation at the ER. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll go I'll go up there and take another little video and see if this thing is real. I'm not sure what I really want to see. If this is bullshit, that's kind of depressing. Um, If this is real, that's depressing. Some of you believe that, Dan, this is real, but modern science and technology are so advanced that we are no longer threatened by viruses. We are no longer threatened by recessions, Dan. You heard what Janet Yellen said a couple years ago, didn't you, you fuck? Janet, former chair of the Federal Reserve. Didn't she say we'd never see another recession again in her lifetime? That's what Janet said. Janet said we'd never see another recession in her lifetime. Well, that's really optimistic and nice isn't it Janet unless of course you know you're about to die Yes, indeed, the real story could be that the virus has been cured, that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have successfully found a cure for it. They're giving people the AIDS drugs and the vaccine, and they're going to be fine. They're going to be okay. But I don't know, folks. I don't know. I don't know if I believe the bullshit I really don't know. I mean, I'm told to believe the bullshit they tell me every fucking day. Dan, 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 what's wrong with you? Why can't you just be like everybody else, stick your lips around the fucking cock, and suck? Why can't you be with the rest of us and just give the existential nightmare a rim job? That's what we all do. But who knows what's going to happen in the plague year. Nobody really knows. Nobody's really sure what happens in the plague year. Anything can happen. You know, I've been imagineering, you know, if you take the, the word imagination and, and the concept of engineering and you imagineer, you put on your imagination thought helmet, and I've been imagineering what life is going to be like here in Little Saigon if if in fact we haven't won the battle against the virus. I've been considering my situation, you know, several months ago I had about, eh, three to four months of food stored here. But then I had a little issue with continuing to work at, you know, Willy Wonka's in Redmond. Yes, you call it Microsoft. But I call it Willy Wonka's. Indeed, Willy Wonka's on the spectrum and kind of sociopathic software factory. I can only stomach so much time there before my blood boils over and I go insane. And I get the virus. Yeah. Anywho, though, I've still got about a month's worth of food, I think. Maybe six weeks. And given how fat I am, and given all the vitamins I have, as long as the water flows, I'll be okay for probably two months before I die. Fasting's good for you. But this is what I'm asking you to do, my friends out there, wherever you might be on this radical Thursday of impossibilicus. Imagine that the true value of Tesla, the motor company um, purchased by Elon Musk, the master master wizard of all things technological and scientifical. Imagine the true value of Tesla is $3,000 a share close a business tomorrow, $3,000 a share. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but imagine. Imagine that Casper's IPO succeeds and that the closing price of Casper tomorrow afternoon, close a business, the closing price of Casper will be 700% The IPO price. That's tomorrow. If you put on your imagination helmet, you fuck. Because remember, the virus is cured. You see, Little Saigon, if the virus is not cured, if Casper is actually a fraud, and if Tesla is a steaming pile of bullshit, masquerading in the name of a great physicist, then it's possible that Little Saigon will become a no-man's land within ten days. There's already rumors of Various gangs and cabals forming up down by that pho restaurant, the one with the boat. Various generals and colonels are forming up gangs. The best way to fight the virus from what I've seen, based on the videos I've seen, is to beat the shit out of people. That's right, if you really want to fight that fucking virus, go get yourself a Louisville Slugger, buddy and go find somebody in the street that looks sick. Yep, just go find someone that looks sick and hit them over the head. That's how you fight the virus in Little Saigon. You see, within a matter of weeks, this will be known as Death Zone 81. The entire region will be zoned off. The people of King County will have determined that Pill Hill, the International District, other regions connected to it, and especially the zone known as Little Saigon slash Harborview Zone, also known as Zone 81. Zone 81 will be a death zone. A death zone of chaos and madness and people wandering the streets in homemade masks pretending it's going to help them, but nothing's going to help them. Of course, every other day, the Federal Reserve will fly a helicopter over Death Zone 81. And they'll drop money on us. Along with leaflets saying, if you spend, 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 the virus cannot defend. Yes, can you imagine your friend, Uncle Dan, two or three weeks from now, stuck in death zone 81, building his makeshift water extraction system, because by that time, the water will have been cut off, but it still might rain in Seattle. And on the fifth floor here, I can capture water into one of those big plastic containers. And I can utilize a multi-stage system of purification to include the life straws I bought ahead of time. (laughs) Thinking ahead. Yes, between the chewable vitamins and the ability to make water and that big old bag of rice I got, I can stretch that for a month or two maybe. Maybe I can live off whatever rats crawl up to the fifth floor because some of them are gonna they're gonna crawl everywhere. They're gonna be looking for food. By that time the rats will be over 50 excuse me. They will weigh over 50 pounds. Right now they weigh about 20 pounds, but by then they'll weigh 50 pounds. They will be angry and 3 to 4 feet long. They will be scary and covered in gumbus and plastic and poison and blood and bits and pieces of those Casper mattresses. Because the big rats love those. Sometime in March, probably March the 15th, something like that, there will be rumors, and they'll just be rumors. Rumors of weird, weird, strange creatures crawling up out of the sewers. Things worse than anything we've ever seen. There will be rumors of a slime crawling out of the Puget Sound. Giant fucking... Jellyfish in the deoxygenated dead zones that are now most of the Pacific, yes, by the middle of the March middle of March here in Seattle, the giant jellyfish will be moving everywhere they'll be mo- moving through the fucking sewers. yes, the oceans will have become depleted of oxygen and of life, and the jellyfish being well equipped for deoxygenated water but not so well equipped for you know survival without food they'll have to move through the sewer system yeah there'll be screams i'll hear screams people sitting on their fucking toilets and they'll they'll say what is this stinging feeling i have on my sphincter What is that stingy, nasty feeling? And then they'll just be killed and the fucking jellyfish will liquefy their bodies and then slither back into the fucking toilets. Back out to the fucking Puget Sound where they're going to live out there and probably evolve at a hyper rate. So by April, (sighs) probably by April, right around tax time. Yes, there'll be rumors in Death Zone 81 of giant jellyfish beginning to buy homes. The jellyfish will probably go to one of the banks, the local banks, maybe, yeah. <laughs> they'll go to Bank of America. And they'll they'll say, listen, I don't have a job. I, I don't have a social security number. All I got are these tentacles and a desire to to live the good life. Can I get a loan to buy a home in Seattle? Now the loan officer will counsel the giant jellyfish. Listen, pal. You may not be aware, but Seattle has currently 17 death zones. And frankly, those are the only places where I can sell you a home. Because nobody wants a giant jellyfish living in their fucking neighborhood, asshole. But here's the thing about the death zones nobody cares about them. So if we ship the giant jellyfish into the death zones, everyone's happy. Yes, indeed, by the end of April 2020, jellyfish will be buying homes in Seattle. And and it will be the beginning of the great giant jellyfish home boom during the plague year. And it will boggle the minds of many in a young investor scientific guru from Goldman Sachs named Elmo McGibbons. Elmo McGibbons will see an opportunity in bundling these giant jellyfish fucking balloon loans into gigantic or common jellyfish-backed securities. He can resell these securities to the California pension system. And he can make a lot of money. You see, Elmo McGibbons, he wants to buy a timeshare In Tierra del Fuego. Elmo McGibbons wants to live in Tierra del Fuego. It's been his lifelong dream to live someplace really close to the safe zone of of Antarctica. Now, he's not special. He's not like Bill and Melinda Gates, but he thinks he can afford Tierra del Fuego. Do you really want to know the story of Death Zone 81? Because that's what we're living through right now. We are in the crux of Death Zone 81. Right here in Little Saigon, a half a mile from Harborview Medical Center. Sure, there wasn't a lot going on there yesterday, but today, maybe... Today, perhaps, we shall see the lines of the sick with the green, nasty fucking phlegm coming out of their noses. Yes, today we will see body bags and garbage bags and sandwich bags and all kinds of bags. Today, maybe we'll see the beginnings of that time that will be remembered as the slithering By June of 2020, the first king of Death Zone 81, they will call him the Virus King, will be chosen by the people in the public square across the street from the Vietnamese Gypsy Witch's Place. Yes, the first king will be King Chang, and King Chang will declare that all things in Little Saigon things in Harborview Medical Center, all of the creatures of the sewers, to include the interlopers, aka the giant fucking jellyfish. These all are owned by King Chang. He also declares that all the women are his. All the women. All the women above the age of 18. All of them are his, his to use for reproduction. I don't know, folks. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to Little Saigon if things get bad. You know, it's funny because if you're able to connect to the, the smart device, like if you can focus on your fucking smart device all the time, it might be the best way to write out whatever happens. You know, viruses, earthquakes, tidal waves, financial bubbles giant jellyfish, orca armies, armies of orca whales crawling out of the sea. I expect that to happen one day because it's the right thing. One day, an army of orca whales with makeshift prosthetics and and half-assed breathing devices for hydration and other kinds of bullshit. One day, an army of orca whales will crawl out of the sea and they will fucking bite off our heads and spit them out. And they'll do this because we deserve it. They will be the grim fist of causality. I, I don't care if, if you believe in God or not, just think about causality. Think about consequences. Think about what Ayn Rand said, you know? You can ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the giant jellyfish. Now, that's not what she said. She said you can ignore reality, right? You can do it. You can ignore reality. But you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality... Ignore the consequences. So, if in a few weeks you're sitting on the toilet and you feel a little stinger on your butt, could be a micro stroke in your brain. Could be that virus, and you're feeling it as a kind of an autoimmune response on your in your body. Could be that. Could be a giant fucking jellyfish tasting your a hole. won't really know until it's too late you won't know <laughs> let's just let's just admit to ourselves that we won't know you know what what did what did the lord in heaven say i will come as a thief in the night that's right and isn't that another way of saying black swan? Which is to say a true black swan, you don't predict it. You don't make guesses about it. It's like that kid when I was, I don't know, 11 years old saying, Hey, Dan, you want to see an M-80? And, and he points down the road and, and I gormlessly look that direction. And then he takes a lead pipe and hits me over the back of the head. Thank God Scott Jones was with me, because if Scott Jones had not been with me that day, I would have been the first victim of a, of a team of serial killers. Yes, 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 they would have been teenagers at the time, but by now they would have racked up a body count. So this is a shout out to Scott Jones, who bought me another 39 years of existence. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, if somebody points down the road and says, Hey, buddy, you want to see an M-80? And that person has a friend with them that looks a little shady. Then maybe you should just walk away and say, Pal, I've seen M-80s. I've seen firecrackers. I've seen cherry bombs. I once saw a Filipino hooker swallow a drink inside her bajang-jang. I've been to Korea, you fuck. I have seen crazy-ass shit. Of course, I spent several months in El Paso. And I never actually went to, um, you know, across the border to see the donkey show. So I suppose you could say, well, Dan, there's that one thing you haven't done yet. (laughs) One thing. There's been many, right? But there is this one thing. You haven't seen the donkey show. Now, some of you will say, Dan, you're missing nothing nothing at all. And... You live in Death Zone 81, to be called. And in Death Zone 81, every Friday night, down by the fuzz shop, the one with the fucking boat, there'll be a donkey show. It'll be awesome. Fun for the whole family, really. every Friday night at 8 p.m. In Death Zone 81, ruled over by King Chang, there will be a donkey show. It'll be a powerfully important, dramatic, artistic expression of a woman being, you know, penetrated by a very large animal. Some people will consider it crass or even misogynistic. people will be known as dicks. <laughs> Guys, none of us has a fucking clue. We live in an artificial reality. We do. Espe- especially if you live in a city. And given population distribution, 80% of you, 80% of the people in America live in either an urban or a semi-urban environment. Or another way of putting it, 8 out of 10 of us live someplace where we can't grow our own fucking food. Oh, I have a garden out back. I have a victory garden. I make salad dressing. You know what? I'm glad you have a garden that might feed, I don't know, one person for a month. But do you have a garden to feed a million people for a year? Because if you don't, Shut the fuck up. Your garden is an artisanal little expression of your creativity. And if you use nasty-ass chemicals to keep your garden working, and if on top of this you're one of those lawn people that pours chemicals on grass so it can go into the fucking water table and kill the fish and, you know, also kill the whales, you're kind of a piece of shit. Shut the fuck up about your artisanal salad garden. Shut the fuck up. Dan, I have I have chickens. Well actually, I gotta say, urban chicken farming is actually kind of smart. And if you're intelligent and you have a decent enough backyard, there's probably a way to use chickens plus plus potatoes plus onions. I would say if you can, you know, do an herb garden and you can do the tire stacking, you know, when you're when you're trying to do the potato thing, this this guy I met in Indiana he told me it's a good idea, you basically stack a a, a tower of tires. You pour dirt into a tire, you put the potato seeds in, then you put another tire on top, so that as you harvest the the potatoes, you're basically taking a tire off the top. So you can basically build these stacks of tires, and, and they can be old, shitty tires. Another thing about old, shitty tires is depending upon how they're manufactured, they can help retain water. Now, not that that's a problem here in Seattle, but right. But if you live in a place that doesn't get a lot of water, that could be a way to fucking raise potatoes. So if you can <laughs> stack the potatoes, so to speak, and grow some onions, and have that little chicken coop, the one that you pick up and move around, remember, if you're going to do this right, you got to pick it up and move around because you're going to want to harvest your soil too. Um, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do to think of trying to feed your family in a city. And then remember, all of this is done under the assumption that your neighbors, quote unquote, won't be breaking into your house, that the the Gumbus gangs of Little Saigon won't be wulping their way your direction. Guess what, folks? People will get hungry. People will lose weight. They will lose weight and get into shape looking for food. And yeah, some people, it'll be too late, but many others... This will be the fast diet they've been waiting for. And then they're going to wear their leather clothings and their fucking barbarian outfits. And they will make their way to Magnolia, baby. And they'll have chunks of metal and chain and rocks. Bags of rocks. They will have bats with nails driven through them. I'm telling you folks, okay, if you're hoping... That somehow, magically, you're going to have your urban garden and not be molested, in any sense of that word. I feel like you're living in a fantasy world. Now, if you know your neighbors, and you have a few people in your neighborhood that understand tactics and operations, you might have a fighting chance of closing off your neighborhood to outsiders. Assuming you have, I don't know, two or three miles worth of concertina wire. And time to set up, basically, obstacles. And to train people on, yeah, challenge and password, command and signal. There's a lot of shit you have to know how to do if you want to maintain a secure perimeter. So tell me again how you're going to raise your artisanal salad garden and feed your family and your neighbors. I know you're saying, Dan, you're such a naysayer. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that if you live in a city, you are already at a huge disadvantage. We've spoken about this before, and of course, I live in Seattle, so I'm fucked. Chances are, I'm dead within sixty days. Um, in fact, if if I am unable to publish to my little Saigon report. I will become like my sister's French Bulldog Beans. While you cannot hear me, or, or even prove that I exist, I will be like Beans, and like Schrodinger's cat, I will only be in a pseudo-existence. After the first week of not hearing from me, you'll say, I think that there's a 20% chance that Dan is dead, and an 80% chance he's alive thanks, man, I like that. But by week four, it'd be like, I think there's a 3% chance Dan's alive. I think that there's a 47% chance that he's in his apartment, buckled over and dead. And there's at least a 50% chance that he's in somebody else's stool. Like he's in someone else's pile of fecal matter. Yes, there's a 50% chance by week 7 that Dan is long-pig mealtime. Decide for yourself the true story of the future. You know, Right now, we are in the great discontinuity, as we've discussed in many podcasts, and I don't want to go over it again, but right now we're in the space of the absolute uncertainty of certainty, or rather, the certainty that anything you believe will probably be wrong. It doesn't mean you will be wrong, it's just things are shifting so quickly under the, under our feet that... Believing you're going to make a solid prediction is kind of a fallacy. On the other hand, there are features of mathematics that can still be applied as we discuss, certainly chaos theory. And if you understand that maybe a particular mathematical model might be true yesterday but false today and true tomorrow, that's how this can work in the great discontinuity because things can change. I didn't see the fucking deflator mouse, did you? The fucking deflator mouse epidemic came out of nowhere like a fucking black swan, right? Deflator mouse. Next topic, we're going to do a plague update because we don't need to just talk about the future. Let's talk about the present as well. A plague update. And this is um, one of these articles published today, headline Zero Hedge. And I quote, we'd rather die at home. Chinese citizens rebel against mandatory quarantine as lockdown expands. So the first thing is supposedly the World Health Organization has declared that the worst is behind us. This is really good news. The World Health Organization, after getting a lot of money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, thank you, Bill and Melinda Gates, Thank you for the money. After getting that injection of money, that spungus, after having their cream pie, they declared to the world, you know, this the, the worst is behind us. The worst is behind us. We're all going to be fine. Just take the drugs that they tell you to take. Sometime in the third week of March, they're going to tell you to take a drug. If they tell you to take it, you better fucking take it. Yes, sometime in March if they tell you to take a fucking drug or a vaccine, you better fucking take it. Yes, indeed. If they tell you to take the fucking drug. Fuck. Dr. Lee Wen Wen Liang. I'm going to say, I'm going to try to say this correctly. Li Wenliang. Dr. Li Wenliang, the Chinese whistleblower doctor who warned the public of a potential SARS-like disease in December 2019, which is just a couple months ago, he died. He died um, in Wuhan on Thursday. And he was put under arrest. This is a guy who came out and said, listen, folks, this is bad. We need to prepare and he was placed under arrest. This is why I would say, if they're telling you everything's fine, you can believe that. On the other hand, there is the baseline heuristic that these people lie to you. And so if they're telling you everything is fine, that might, in an age of irony, you know like the smart device, the device that makes you smarter? Yeah, that's ironically named. The Patriot Act, oh shit. That's ironically named. In a free society, holy shit, that's ironically named. The war on drugs. <laughs> look at look at heroin production rates in Afghanistan since 2001. The war on drugs is ironically named. So is the war on terror. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We live in an age of irony. So if these people are telling you things like the worst is behind us and everything is fine, maybe you shouldn't believe them. I'm just throwing that on the table. I'm not saying they're lying with certainty. But I will say this, the the videos and the pictures coming out of China and not just Wuhan are chilling. And this story, this issue for people in the West really only popped up on the radar barely a month ago. And it was barely two months ago that if we believe the storyline, this became an issue in China. And the other thing that's critical too, you say, well, two months, damn, that's a long time. Well, you need to look at how this virus seems to behave. It has a reasonably long incubation period, not too long. It has a period of asymptomatic contagion, which means you're contagious, but you don't feel sick. That's really bad. And that apparently lasts almost 10 days. And then it really doesn't kill you that fast. It it does kill you, but it seems to kill you rather slowly relative to something like Ebola. So yeah, this particular doctor probably got sick a few weeks ago and now he's dead. And the other thing to consider is this. This is a doctor in a country that I have been told is super technological, super advanced, I mean, yeah, you could say, well, Dan, he was an enemy. No, no, no. He was going to be a hero. They would have used him. Believe me, the Chinese government would have turned him into a tool and he probably would have been okay with it because, hey, you're living in fucking communist China. What the fuck are you going to do? So I'm to believe the super advanced Chinese civilization couldn't keep the hero doctor from dying. This is a little bit weird and probably is one of the reasons why. If the World Health Organization tells you the worst is behind us, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe the worst is not behind us. In fact, given the behavior of this virus, it's probably going to have um, a strange sine curve of expansion. So imagine a sine curve, a sine function that is rotated by about 15 to 20 degrees above the um, x-axis. So it's a, it, it looks like a sine curve, but it's going up. A- and at any one point, you could say, well, shit, it looks like it's, we're winning, we're winning, Dan, we're winning, and some people in investing will call this a megaphone pattern, but here's the thing, it will be a megaphone and the bad kind. So at times, oh, shit, Dan, we're winning. We're winning the war on the virus. Look, the curve's going the good way. No, 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 dude. That that You're looking at a wave function that is fluctuating acro- across an axis that is pointing up. So all you're looking at is the behavior of the virus. It is not a reduction or, or a change in the rate of contagion. Oh, fuck, Dan. You ruined my fucking day. I hope you get sick and die. Well, okay, I probably will. Another thing too, folks, if this is real and its behavior is as advertised, there's a 50% chance I'm already infected, if you want my true and honest opinion. If this thing has an asymptomatic period, if its true origin is China and it's a couple months ago, and it wasn't until last week, really, that all of these major junctions of travel were totally shut down, Well guys, I live in the International District in Seattle, Tech Hub, lots of foreign Chinese workers, Seattle University up the street, lots of Chinese students. And there's Harborview Medical Center, and it's not the only hospital. This is called Pill Hill up here. Pill Hill up here, where all these hospitals are, Virginia Mason, Swedish, Providence and fucking Harborview got all these fucking hospitals up here. So, if this is real, then I don't know why there isn't a 50/50 chance I'm already infected. I I travel on the metro. I don't wear gloves. I'm not necessarily that obsessed with not scratching my face and shit. Yeah. If this is real, I think there's a 50% chance that I'm infected, and if we want to do some more, you know, Monte Carlo analysis on Uncle Dan, I'd say, given a 50% chance of infection, even with my immune system, given that I've spent the last few months mostly drinking beer and vaping weed, I would say there's a one in three chance that I'm dead in three weeks. Yes, there is a 30% chance that Uncle Dan is dead before his 50th birthday. Now I know some of you say, Dan, don't you always say you're 50? Listen, I take the ceiling, not the floor. When it comes to 50, I take the ceiling and not the floor. Once I turned 49, I said, Dan, you're really 50. Just accept it. But it's entirely plausible that I don't make it to my 50th birthday. And I remember once telling people 10 years ago, actually 20 years ago, I don't think I'll live to see 50. I remember saying this to people, and they would smile, Dan's just being funny. Dan's just being funny. No, 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 Dan was simply stating a possibility that might in fact be a probability. But Dan, you couldn't predict the gunkus virus. No, 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 I couldn't. But I could make guesses about human stupidity. And then there was my graduate school advisor, Dr. Zoltan Kramar. And for him, modernity was basically stage Yeah, stage four cancer. I mean, every fucking every fucking week we would meet for an hour. And yeah, we would talk about my fucking master's thesis that isn't a master, masterpiece. It was really a piece of shit. But we'd talk about my graduate work, but we'd also just talk. It was really cool. The guy was fucking brilliant. I hope he's still alive. I don't know how he could be, except that his name is Zoltan. Except that his name is Zoltan, and all people know that Hungarians named Zoltan had the powers... Of the mystical darkness. They can put curses on others and spells on themselves. They can live to be 3,000 years old. So yeah, maybe Zoltan's doing better than me. Shout out to Zoltan. Professor Emeritus, Central Washington University. Sure, you've never heard of it. That's okay. I'm not fancy pants, you fuck. Dan, I went to, I went to, I went to Harvard. I went to, I went to Northwestern. Well, that's great. You went to Harvard and Northwestern. I went to whatever fucking shitville university would take me. University of Washington. Central Washington University. Indiana University and Purdue. I'd go to any shit bill that would take me. Let's continue with the plague update. Oh, image of Wuhan is every bit as bad as most chilling conspiracies would have. My uncle, here's a quote, my uncle actually died in one of the quarantine points because there are no medical facilities for people with severe symptoms. This gets back to the complication rate, folks. You know, one of the reasons why this virus looks scary is because of complications. You'd say, Gan, why are complications important? Um, I don't know. Why do you pay so much for fucking health insurance? Complications are those things that occur as a result of getting the virus that require hospitalization and probably ICU. And in healthcare, you know, finance, informatics terms, that's money. In clinical informatics terms, that's a lot of work, a lot of resources, okay? That's doctors, that's nurses, that's equipment that has to always work to keep you alive. That might be a breathing machine. Did anyone ever tell you that complications might mean that they have to put you on a breathing machine? Let me pop quiz. How well does a breathing machine work when the electric grid is down and the hospital generator runs out of diesel? How well does the hospital breathing-assisted machine work when there's no electricity? Well, Dan, you know, you intubate it so you can put the bag on them and you can squeeze the bag. Okay. You can have a nurse there squeezing the bag, increasing the probability that no matter how tightly that nurse is wound up in plastic and gumbus, that nurse will get infected also because, hey, she's running a breathing bag on someone who has complications with the gunkus. And she's got to do that all day long. Yeah, folks, I don't think people have thought this one through. You know, if, if you're wondering why these hospitals are overloaded, it's the complication rate, buddy. And here's the thing about complications. If you can't fix those, the people die. That's why this fatality rate is probably grotesquely underestimated. Really. I don't believe the number. I, I think that if this is a real thing, that number is a lie. Uh, probably the real fatality rate is closer to something like 20 to 30 percent is what it looks like. And you would say, well, Dan, 20 to 30 percent doesn't sound so bad. <sighs> well, if that was the United States of America, I suppose 20 to 30 percent would be somewhere around 50 to 60 million people. Maybe 80 million. I don't know. I don't always believe the statistics. Maybe it would be as high as 100 million. 100 million Americans dead. I don't think anyone's remotely thought this thing through. So yeah, Uh, anywho, (sighs) I think that's enough of a virus update. I think we can go to the next topic. Um, I I would like to spend some time on this, you know, forcing people to go to the facilities. Um, It seems heavy-handed, and I think it is. It also might be stupid. Like, it probably would be better just to figure out a way to to actually manage infected people in their home. Moving them around only increases the likelihood that they're going to get someone else infected. And this seems highly contagious. Like, that's another thing about this fucking virus. It seems really good at gaining a foothold. Even on people with immune systems that fight the virus. This is another thing to think about, too. The researcher that Zero Hedge got in trouble for supposedly doxing, he was working on the immune systems of bats. And as mentioned in previous podcasts, bats, (laughs) they got a wickedly cool immune system. Which means, basically, they have an immune system that doesn't get all crazy just because it's filled with viruses. I mean, in fact, if the viruses only want to reproduce, the bat lets them do it. So the bat does not trigger an immune response. The immune response, um, the inflammation, the coughing, the other things that go along with it, the fever... All the stuff that you would classify as an immune response to include things like seizures okay that result from that. Um, the immune response is often the thing that kills you. You know you ever hear of autoimmune disorders? Well, guess what? An autoimmune disorder is like the bouncer at the bar, but the bouncer beats up all the people inside the bar, just punches punches out the bartender, punches out the couples, can't be stopped. That's autoimmune. That's bad. But the thing about some of these viruses is that they can trigger huge immune responses. Immune responses that are so huge that they kill the patient. The immune system is the thing that kills the fucking patient. Now, there's some good news, supposedly, before we move on to the next topic. Supposedly, protease inhibitors are working to treat people who are infected. Now, what's a protease inhibitor? A protease inhibitor works on a part of a coronavirus that basically allows it to reproduce, to be accepted into the cell. It kind of just, you know, it impacts the ability of the virus to reproduce. Let's just think of it that way. Um, It doesn't really do much to the immune system, but it does go after the virus. inhibits a process necessary for that virus to make more of itself. Well, there are, protease inhibitors are used with, with HIV, AIDS. And again, this could be mainly about the proteins on the outside of the virus. You see, viruses have binding proteins. You can think of it like, um, what's, a good, what's a good comparison for binding proteins on viruses? Think of it like Velcro. Imagine the outside of your cell has the fuzzy part, but it really only works with a certain kind of you know, sticky part, and that's the Velcro. Well, the coronavirus that's been created or accidentally came into existence, it has HIV Velcro on the outside, and this Velcro allows it to be pulled into the cell without really triggering an immediate immune response. Like, there, there will be an immune response, just not that immediate, it, it tricks the cell into thinking it's something safe to consume, something to process. And I think the protease inhibitors work on um, blocking that. So that's good news, maybe. Good news. Again, I'm not a doctor, not a physician. And if, if you know how I treat illnesses, you would be wary to take my opinion when it comes to the body. As I've said before, I practice Schrodinger's healthcare. If you don't look, you're okay. Now people say, no, Dan, you need to get a physical every year. And I say, no, 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 no. That's how the gypsies get you. That's how the witches get you to say, take a physical, get a colonoscopy, you're 50. Who wants to see that? I mean, I mean, really even if you're being paid a lot of money as a specialist, who wants to see that? Who wants to see that bullshit? Anyways, next up... Oh, Casper. Anybody ever hear of Casper? I just honestly, there's these fucking unicorn companies. I so, let me put it this way. In 2016, when I totally gave up hope for the free republic on the Death Star, that's also when I realized that probably there was not going to be any magical free enterprise entrepreneur reality for me. I kind of gave up on the whole economic system, to tell you the truth. So headline, Casper opens up 20% over IPO price. And if you don't know what an IPO is, an IPO is an initial public offering. Another way of thinking of an IPO is as a special club, a special party for special people who get to buy the fucking stock at a really low price. And then everyone else gets to buy it as it gets ramped up. Anyways, this is Dateline today, Thursday, approximately eleven AM Eastern Standard Time, not Pacific. Update Casper opens at fourteen fifty per share on the New York Stock Exchange on Thursday morning after it priced the IPO at twelve a share on, on Wednesday evening. About twenty minutes after Casper debuted on the secondary markets, price has slumped back to fourteen fifty level. Perhaps a lack of momentum in buyers as many have given up on buying i p o unicorns because of the fear the issue the new issue will implode. Just look at what happened to Uber and Lyft. Here's the Casper team ringing the bell. yeah, great, I love those pictures. Kramer falling on a casper bed, oh well okay guys listen i I don't know what to say, but if Jim Kramer is falling on the bed you make as part of your IPO and he looks like he's kind of dead? Like, do you think this works for people that aren't completely sideways from their smart devices? Oh yes, but I forgot. Smart device is ironically named and it is the real virus. If you got in the streets, <laughs> there's a lot of infected. Yeah, there's this picture that that Jim Kramer tweeted of him on a Casper bed. They priced it right to allow buyers to make money. Well, that's really nice. Oh my god. So these people make fucking beds. Casper Sleep Inc. What the fuck? Guys, I have not researched SoftBank and, and its portfolio of unicorns. I've heard that SoftBank has a A stable of unicorns. I don't know, is Casper one of those fucking unicorns that SoftBank manages? I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know folks, let's talk about Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, here's a bank that according to analysts, again yesterday we talked about Schrodinger accounting, so what do we really know? What do we know? If we're dividing by zero, the value could be zero, it might be infinity so deutsche bank lots of analysts have said deutsche bank has no cash really it is insolvent it is dead it should be shut down it should be shuttered the problem is is there's no way to do it it's basically like saying okay you're a stranded skier You're unconscious, you're slowly freezing to death, but you think you're in the chalet drinking martinis with the supermodels. And this little ghost comes along and says, listen, dude, I know you wanna stay in fantasy land, but can you do me a favor? Can you grab that rock next to you and start smashing your left leg? Because frankly, we can't keep your left leg going. Yes, you'll have to become conscious for a few moments and it will be terribly painful. But then you get to go back to Slumberland and, bonus, your brain, as a part of shock, will produce lots of endorphins. So I promise your next martini at the Chalet will be a dirty martini. The problem is, it doesn't really work. Deutsche Bank is too fucking big. You know the whole too big to fail? That is bullshit. Like, that's terrible. Anyone who tells you that something's too big to fail is is basically making you dumber, if you remember that statement. However, there are times when consequences are too scary to face. Now, you see, I'm rephrasing what people like fucking Timothy Geithner and President Obama and other motherfuckers should have had the courage to say 11 fucking years ago. It's not too big to fail, it's consequences too fucking scary to face. If you shut down Deutsche Bank, you will trigger a cascade of really bad financial mojo. You will trigger credit default swaps, you'll trigger other derivatives and insurance contracts, Yeah, you shutter Deutsche Bank, you basically cause a, oh, what would you say, a, a 7 or a 10 on the Richter scale, something 20 times worse than the San Francisco quake? Yeah, you, you do that in financial terms, it's pretty bad. So what can I say about Casper? Well, let me ask you guys a question. Imagine we lived in the free world. Just Just imagine... I know I asked you to put on your fucking imagination helmet to talk about the viral apocalypse of the super sexy Death Zone 81. And guess what, guys? In addition to Death Zone 81 being scary, it's also going to be sexy. It's going to be sexy in a Pam Greer fucking, you know, women in cages kind of way. Yes... Death Zone 81 will be a nightmare. It'll be a nightmare, but it will be a sexy Pam Greer style nightmare. Lots of women running around, scantily clad. Women running around, I'm not saying defenseless or anything, but really, it's gonna be sexy. Yes, they'll be empowered, but they'll be empowered to use their bodies <laughs> this is This is really misogynistic. this is bad, it is terrible, but I will say before I get off this tangent um yeah if if there is a death zone eighty one and it could be coming coming to a theater near you, but first a little Saigon. If there is a death zone 81, it will probably be a lot like what I just described, you know. It'll be sexy and adventurous. It'll be greasy, oily. There'll be tentacle. Listen, I mentioned the fucking giant octopus. I mean, the giant jellyfish. Well, I mean, there'll be giant octopus too, but there'll be giant jellyfish. That's going to mean tentacle porn. I'm just saying, it's gonna be a crazy, sexy nightmare. (laughs) That's what the Sci-Fi Channel would have you believe. Yes, indeed. What if we lived in the free world? What if we lived in an actual free world? I know, I know, you say, Dan, that's impossible. Well, maybe it is. But imagine we did. Imagine that the financial oppression ceased to exist because there would be no government to protect it. Here's the thing that people don't get. These financial schemes have bullets and guns defending them. If all of a sudden the banker comes to your door but he doesn't have a sheriff he can take with you, do you know what happens? The banker goes the fuck away, or the banker hires a private army. And in either case, the banker probably loses. That's the reality. Most of us are dirt ass poor. Relative to them, relative to how they live. I don't a hundred years ago, listen. If you don't fucking understand reality and how it works, I cannot help you. People do not think in terms of 100 years ago. We are Australian, what do they call this? Australian rappelling. You know when you rappel down a cliff but you face forward? That's what it's like living in America the last fucking 20, 30 years. Australian style rappelling over the other side. It doesn't fucking matter. That we're still 2,000 feet higher than our forebears were 100 years ago. That's fucking irrelevant. We are Aussie style rappelling. We aren't looking up the mountain, we're looking down it. So that bullshit doesn't work with me, and it doesn't work historically, it never has. The reality is people don't think that way. They think, fuck, my situation as a human being has only gotten worse. And if you want to tell me, well, Dan, you're still living better than some crazy shoemaker in 1875, well, great. Somehow we were told we'd be living on Mars, and now you're telling me that the great American dream is to live better than a guy in a factory in 1875. But you have a smart device, yes, yes, yes. I have a device that if I owned one and I don't, I have a flip phone, but if I owned one would actually make me dumber, thank you. You mean the dog collar. I call it the dog collar. When I see people, or, or the monolith, the fact is, it's a, it's a thing people are worshiping, not using. And if someone's being used in that relationship, <laughs> it's not the phone. But imagine we lived in a free fucking world. And then you said, Dan, I want to make a mattress. And I want to make a mattress that people can afford, that is, that is quality. I want to make money, but I really don't want to turn this into some investing scheme. I simply want to make a reasonable profit. make a good Make a good mattress, pay my employees, and when all is said and done, make a little extra. Okay? In a free world, God bless you. God bless you for being an entrepreneur in a free world. God bless you for having the courage to risk your own resources, knowing that you won't be able to pick up the phone and call a fucking army and have them shoot people if they can't pay. Because here's the deal, folks. Sometimes people can't pay. And if you think the best solution to people not being able to pay is to drop bombs on them, then you're, then you're what's referred to as a fucking monster. In a free world, there will be people who can't pay. There will be banks that fail. This will happen. But I'll let you know a little secret. That will be the exception and not the norm. And long before companies become gigantors, completely ridiculous monstrosities, they simply cease to exist. We, we would never have a too-big-to-fail because they would know the truth. It isn't too-big-to-fail. It's consequences too scary to confront That's what they meant when they said too big to fail. They were cowards. They were cowards. They they gave you a lie because they knew they couldn't face their own failure. They couldn't face their own sins. So they gave you a lie. They said too big to fail. No, 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 no. That may be what they said. That's not what they meant. They meant consequences too frightening to face. If you listen to the Little Saigon report and you've taken care of your food, your water, and your shelter, you've made all your preparations for a sexy Pam Greer-style apocalypse, including buying rubbers. And I gotta say, folks, you might want to stock up on rubbers even if you don't intend to have sex, because along with tampons, toilet paper, cigarettes, and whiskey, and a number of other things to include 12-gauge shotgun shells. I don't care if you have a shotgun. Get a shitload of 12-gauge shells. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, well, actually, what I just described to you is a list of items for an optimist. Not the pessimist. The pessimist is like me. He's saying, you know what, folks? My situation is in all likelihood impossible and I'm okay with it. You might have kids. I don't have kids. If I had kids, I would not even remotely believe that, but I don't have kids. I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a dog or a cat. If I cease to exist, a lot of people's lives might actually get easier. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but that's true. A lot of people in my life who've known me, they expected me to like be some type of fucking millionaire or to be really successful. And what they couldn't even grasp was a possibility that that would never fucking happen. And it's not just about not wanting to be part of the system. No, no, no. That's teenage bullshit. It's about the fact that I can't physically stomach how fucking disgusting this country has become. And when you go to some place like Redmond, like Microsoft Campus, that fucking dystopia... It becomes brutally honest that this place is an existential shithole. Yeah. If you listen to my podcast, (laughs) and you enjoy it, and you've paid for your food, your water, your shelter, you've taken care of all of your monkeys that have herpes, because God knows that'll be a big problem soon, too. I see the monkey herpes issue spreading from northern Florida... All the way up to Washington State, a lot like the Killer Bee Scare of the 70s. In fact, I expect the Sci-Fi Channel to have a scary science fiction movie about monkeys with herpes pretty soon. That fucking Captain it you know, It's funny though, my dad. My dad was exactly like that. I know this is a horrible tangent, but my dad, who is no longer with us, he thought you could use diesel fuel for everything. He was a logger. He you know, fought in World War II. What he knew is what a logger would know working in the Pacific Northwest for decades. So, And, and he wasn't a stupid man, but he, he knew logging. And he knew his work. And he assumed this was his only mistake. He assumed that all the experts and all the smart people were mostly doing the right thing. Yes, he was critical and cynical in a way. Yes, he would complain about the government. I think he probably voted for Reagan once the first time. But in general, he kind of assumed that all things being equal, the people in authority were trying to tell the truth and do their best. And I would say he probably grew up in a world where maybe that was still mostly true. I don't know. I don't know. He was a kid during the Great Depression. But he would pour diesel fuel on everything. He would pour diesel fuel on the ground so that, you know, no weeds would grow. The problem is, (laughs) weeds did end up growing, but they were like the really hardy, rooty, um, lots of fucking spikes on them and itchiness. My dad's behavior didn't really solve the weed problem. It simply upped the game. It was like, fuck, now weeding is like waging some sci-fi battle. So when I think about Captain Tui and his fucking jungle ride in Florida back in the 30s, and he said, you know, let's go get some monkeys. Well, we went to the monkey store, Captain. And they didn't have the ones you wanted, but we got a deal ...on these monkeys coming from a research lab. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People at the Tavistock Institute. Never heard of them. Yeah, people being funded by various organizations, Rockefellers, whatnot. Well, what's wrong with the fucking monkeys? Well, they got herpes, Captain. Well, but we live in, a, in an age of golden morality... No one's going to fucking interact with the, 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 the herpes monkeys. We can buy the herpes monkeys. So they bought the herpes monkeys and they put them on an island. And they assumed, well, monkeys don't swim. Because, hey, that was the stupid assumption of people back then. Like my dad pouring diesel everywhere. And then the monkeys escaped. We live in strange times, my friends. And to finish this thought, if you listen to my podcast... And you appreciate whatever you appreciate from it. And you realize that I would love to be able to make enough money doing this so that I would never have to work at Microsoft or a place like that again. (sighs) If you can possibly understand my existential anguish and you have the money you paid for food, water, shelter, whiskey, herpy monkeys, everything... You've paid for your your sewer rats that you wage war on your, your neighbors with and you've taken care of all your sex dolls and all this is done and you've been a good kind human and you still got money left over. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. After you've helped your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones, you can donate to me. There's a link to Venmo and or PayPal in the description of this podcast. There's also a link to Venmo and or PayPal on my SoundCloud homepage which you can get to conveniently at IamSully.com. And for this Thursday, February the 6th, this is DJ Sullivan signing off from Death Zone 81. It's true, it hasn't gotten Pam Greer sexy yet. But I'm waiting for it.